We're not going to talk about sports this episode because people immediately tune out and then uh, people don't listen to the ad reads. But I want to remind people that the NBA renamed the D-League the G-League for the sole purpose of having Gatorade as a sponsor. Yeah, that happened a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's really bad. Yeah, the NBA has moved on to putting logo patches on jerseys now. So they're, they're way past feeling any kind of shame about that, that sort of thing. Yeah, that, well, hmm. that's tricky because, I mean, we, we talked a couple of episodes about the really, really dumb Bumble Clippers integration. Um, but yeah, but also it's way less, it's much more toned down than soccer, which has like the jersey is like 90% corporate logo. So in some ways, though, I think having just the single logo is worse. Because at least with the soccer thing, it's just, it's all over the jersey and it, it kind of just basically becomes part of the jersey. Mm-hmm. But in the NBA, which I think has some of the best looking um, jerseys of any sport, you still have the classic look of the jersey, but then you've got this one annoying logo in the corner. It's just, I, I, I hate it a lot. Well, but Rakuten has a very, very good logo. Ugh. As does Wish, whatever the hell it is. We we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We don't need to get into it. Anyway, I thought that was silly. I was uh, I was googling for the D League because there was there was a clip. I think it was a seventy um, sixers game, but there was some summer league game that had just a, a very a big stream of highlights of lowlights. I'm sure you saw it on Twitter, where there were some uh, very embarrassing passes. Well, not just to, just to just to save you from the the follow up that we'd get. <laughs> the clip the clip that you're referring to is not from the G League. It's from the NBA Summer League, which is what's happening now. Are the those G different League, things? Yes. The G League happens concurrently with the NBA season. And then the Summer League happens, well, you guess it, during the summer. So during the off season of those two other leagues. So the D League is like minor league baseball and Summer League is... Who who plays on that? Generally, newly drafted and undrafted rookies, and then also a select number of like second year guys. Got it. Well, we promised we weren't going to talk about sports because I want people to listen to the rest of this. So we will move on uh, to more important stuff. So, but yeah, you should you should find a link to that clip because it, it, oh, it was pretty I've, amazing. I've seen it. No, no, I mean you should put it in the show notes so everybody else can oh. see it. Oh, okay, yeah, I can I can do that. Uh, uh, some more important stuff. Uh, I had, I had the chance to visit both a Microsoft and a, uh, Apple store or a, a town square recently. Mm. And I didn't know that there was a Harry Potter Bluetooth enabled coding wand. So apparently if you would like to, uh, you can go register for a free summer camp at the, uh, Corte Madera Microsoft store, uh, where you can be as cool as that kid in the, uh, Hogglepog, uh, sweatshirt and you can code on a Microsoft surface with a um, abracadabra wand or whatever this is. <laughs> he looks super oh. pumped about it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, gal on the right looks, or on the left looks like she does not care at all. If you're looking at the Microsoft page for this. It is in the notes. Okay. All right. So it's been a big week. So let's jump right into follow up unless you have any other business. Let's do it. All right. Uh, let's, let's, let's do the big news. Uh, so following, I think, was this your pick, uh, on episode 200? That Power Beats Pro? Mm-hmm. I think it was a couple of episodes before that. 
Okay. So I got the Powerbeats Pro or the LeBron pods, as I'm calling them. Uh, and they are, I can, I can, uh, I can second your recommendation. They're pretty solid. Um, the charging case is the size of a Range Rover, but other than that, they're, uh, the comfort is great. Um, sound quality is, but a passable, like it's, it's bassier and better than AirPods, but, uh, still not as good as the Bose sound sports that I have. But the not having having the behind the neck cable um, and having the little charging case is, is outweighs that by a mile. So they're they're pretty great. I mean, I think the both the AirPods and now the Powerbeat Pro headphones have proven that basically like ninety eight percent of the reason why um, wireless headphones fall out of your ear, or actually even corded headphones for that matter. Like in the case of you know like the, the classic. Um, God, what are what are the your what ear pods? What the hell are the pre AirPod headphones called? iPod headphones. But didn't they rebrand them? The ear pods or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that seems like forever ago. The pre pre AirPod world. Pre courageous. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, um, it seems like it, it's the cord. Even if it is just like a small cord in between both earbuds, it seems like that's the thing that causes a lot of issue because. Both the AirPods for me and the Powerbeats Pro are like totally rock solid. And like, I haven't even, it comes with like four different um, little ear tip things. Like, I haven't even experimented with any of those. The ones that came on seem, you know, okay. Yeah, same. I just popped them in and they sounded fine and felt fine. So they do after, um, so I used them for the first time this morning on a run. And after about an hour, they do get slightly uncomfortable, but that's probably something that'll work itself out over time. Um, I do, I do agree with you that um, the sound quality is so-so at best. But for me, and with like workout headphones, sound quality is just not really a priority, so that that doesn't bother me much. Um, I'm getting a little caught up on ATP and, and Marco in the most recent episode I listened to also talked about these as kind of like an AirPod alternative. And I think the other thing that he brought up, or actually maybe Syracuse brought this up, glasses are a bit of an issue. So if I'm running outside, I'll typically wear sunglasses and that that gets a little tricky with the over the ear piece. It's not a deal breaker, but you do kind of end up in a situation sort of like John described where you can't really decide like whether you want to put your glasses like underneath the little uh, ear tip things or above them or like slightly above them. It, that makes the fit a little less comfortable, but um, again, not, not, not a huge issue. Yeah, I I I never ha- I don't own any sunglasses that are appropriate for working out, so that's that's never been much of a concern. But yeah, the sound quality is it's it's not great. Um I feel like I I haven't used the standard, I think they're called the Powerbeats 3 in a while and I feel like those sounded better and and the Bose are probably the the gold standard of wireless workout headphones, but um yeah, they 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 sound fine. But the, a lot of the utility is diminished by uh, just the the charging case is very very large. Um, yeah, but for me that that case basically just lives in my gym bag, and so I don't yeah. I don't really care. I, I agree, it does seem like it's bigger than it should be, but I don't really think it's much of an issue. 
I guess like for them, the possibility of them being my always headphones versus having AirPods, where I think these could, if the case was smaller, also obviate AirPods. Whereas yeah, now... But, but, aren't, but I thought you were on team having a separate set of headphones for working out. Well, that was because of... Well, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of a good defense. <laughs> or I mean, like, I... <sighs> I mean, unless you're talking about getting like two pairs of these things, which wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Well, I already have two pairs of AirPods, so that's yeah. You gotta have your day uh, day AirPods and night AirPods. But they wait. Do you really? I do. I have one uh, for my TV at home. We've discussed this. People okay. can go. Yeah, okay. No, that's that's actually okay. I, I'm not going to criticize you for that. Yeah, and those are called my HomePods because I need them. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, the the having separate workout headphones, that was mostly because that that was in a pre-AirPod era. And AirPods are, not, like, I, I, I um, am dubious of anybody who says that they can use AirPods for working out. Just because they, they just fall out. Where you need something somewhat secure. Like, it's just, it, they're for different purposes. Like, AirPods are meant to be, I can pop these in for six minutes at a time, and it's super easy to put away, and they're discreet. Um Whereas you just have different needs for working out where I feel like the Powerbeats Pro actually hit on a lot of things where they could be the only pair of headphones for people. But yeah, just like in a jeans pocket, I think it's, I'm not even sure it would fit. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think it'd fit in basically any kind of pocket. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a pretty good, uh, I, I gave in, I want, I was wanting to hold out for the, like those forest green color ones, but yeah, the black is fine. Yeah. My understanding is that they're still really hard to get. Oh, they still haven't come out at all. Anything but black. Uh, they haven't actually released the other colors, but even like the black color, you can't generally can't just walk into an Apple store and get these. Can you? Well, I mean, you can't walk into an Apple store and get them because you can't figure out where to get help. <laughs> I, I like I was saying I did stop into an Apple store and I saw the new layout that they have for the iPhones and yeah it's it's not great it's exactly what we saw on that Mac Rumors thing it's 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 not great yeah yeah Genius Grove is nice though nobody ends up using the like the back patio area at the Union Square store that seems like kind of a waste of opportunity it, it is kind of a weird space. Yeah, but it's like in between a bunch of hotels. And also, I think we talked about it, and this may be why Johnny I've quit, is that there's that hot dog cart in front of the, uh, the, Union, uh, the Union Square store all the time. And I assume that just causes uh, Apple execs to just die a little inside every time they see it. <laughs> probably, like, they, they don't own the sidewalk, so they can't force them away. But Right. Yeah. I think the issue with the space that's on the, the opposite side of the store that you're referring to is there's just it never gets any sun. It's just in perpetual, constant shade back there. So it's like this nice outdoor sitting area, but mm -hmm. in a city like San Francisco, which is generally already a little bit on the, the chilly side most of the time, like in the middle of the day, you usually want to at least be out in the sun and that, that space gets no sun ever because it's surrounded by, you know, like three big buildings. Yeah. Constant shade, like your Twitter feed. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and it's got one of those, like those, um, living wall things. Which seems, which is something that nobody's appreciating because nobody goes back there. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a fan of those. Those show up every once in a while, like on an HDTV show that the lady friend and I are watching. And every time those pop up, I, I just am, am not into it. I, I'll give you a clean edit point for this in case this is too personal. But <laughs> yeah. I saw your, your new fireplace photo. 
Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and and I appreciate. And JoJo would be very proud of you of having a frame of nothing on on the like you just have like a hollow frame on the uh, mantel shelf. Mm. And she's a huge fan of uh, having empty frames. I'll have to admit though, I don't know if that's intentional design or if um that's a frame that that something eventually is going to be put into i i you know as as the kids do sometimes i i sort of fudged it a little bit on instagram where you know i said that it was a you know, a completed home project but there there's actually still a, l- a little bit of work to do there you faked it for the gram how i mm-hmm, right hmm. i did take the photo with my iphone unlike some other people that i know though i won't i won't call anybody out by name though carlos what's that mean <laughs> I make no bones about that. That, I, that I'm an Instagram cheat. Oh, well, I don't see you disclosing it. Uh, we're past the point where I think you probably remember it, where people used to like in their profile they used to say like phone only and stuff like that. I don't think that's a thing anymore. I don't think anybody gives a shit ever. Ever since um, Facebook bought Instagram and they they kind of backed away from the like. Uh, they, uh, they used to not allow you to import photos. Like they tried to find a way to make you not import photos from your camera roll. And then when they totally ripped off Snapchat, they they had a thing where you could only select photos from the past 24 hours. And then they were like, oh yeah, if we let any, people choose anything, they will use it more. So um, Instagram kind of has no morals. Or not morals, has no principles. But that's that's fine. Again, it's a product that's still mostly unmessed up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I, I, I'm, I'm 1 billion percent a... Uh, an Instagram cheat. That's okay. Okay. Because higher, uh, higher megapixel dogs is what the what the world needs. Right. Uh, okay. A couple other things. Um, Phil's Coffee has a new version of their app, Phil's 2.0, which um, now fixes the thing that I think I complained about on the show a couple of weeks ago, where um, you could not order two of the same thing. And you also could not have two mobile orders open at the same time. So if you wanted to buy somebody the same thing that you were having, it was impossible. So that's been fixed. And also Phil's did, they they probably, they pulled a Duncan and they Americanized or they Midwest, uh, phrases carefully, they mid, uh, they Americanized their sizing where large is now medium and now large is just gigantic. So they shifted everything down where uh, I think it's 10 ounces is small. 16 ounces, which used to be large, is now medium, and they have a, a venti size that's now large. As a shareholder, I appreciate you referring to Duncan by its new proper name. Thank you for that. Oh, certainly, yeah. Um, but contractually, I have to as as a as an influencer. Sp- uh, speaking of branding, though, um, <laughs> I meant I I was driving, so I unfortunately couldn't take a picture of this. But uh, that doesn't stop anybody else. <laughs> fair so we i think this was offline actually we talked about how so with um oracle park san francisco's had to go and like redo all the street signs that have referred to at&t park mm-hmm. and it it appeared that that had been done but it's only been partially done like the, it actually like the closer you get to the ballpark the more signs that there are that still say at&t park yeah, and I think all the signs on the 280 are, are are the same way. The 280, good. You still you still got the Southern California in you. I'm not a monster. Good. Oh, can we pivot for a second? Um, mm-hmm. I think we need to. I've been thinking about my exit plan from the Bay Area. Um, oh, don't leave. 
I kind of have to. But uh, I think we need to ship the angels to Portland, and that would solve everything for me. Because the angels have um, Southern California Edison Park, or whatever it's called, doesn't... It, they have the Dodgers, and, and they have the Padres in San Diego. Orange County doesn't need a team, and Orange County also barely has a team. They happen to play there, but they're called the Los Angeles Angels. So just ship them off to Portland. I think they want to move them to Long Beach. That was the the last that I had heard about that. I can't tell if you're joking. No, I'm not joking. They they have one of the oldest stadiums in baseball, and so they've been trying to figure things out with Anaheim about how to get a new stadium. And I think if that doesn't work, then they've looked into um, moving to Long Beach. Yeah, no. Um, now that now that the Trailblazers are are, are over with, um, Portland needs something other than the the Timbers soccer team. So I, I think we should give them the the Portland Angels. Why not? Uh, I I got too many childhood memories associating the Angels where they are. So I can't I can't abide by that. I'm sorry. We can fly the rally monkey uh, up to PDX, and he can take a picture <laughs> with the carpet, and it. It'll, it'll all work out are you allowed to refer to it as pdx not living there uh i think i could do whatever <laughs> <laughs> um people can call it whatever again yeah I, I i've bought software from panic for the past two decades so therefore i think that makes me basically a resident of portland um yeah but i was comparing the population of seattle to portland and seattle has a team uh, a baseball team and and they have the uh a, a mediocre football team too so they 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 deserve a baseball team let's make it happen uh and the last bit in follow-up and this isn't really follow-up but i couldn't figure out any place to put it but um i bought a weird thing on amazon which i had to return um because i was looking for a new iron this is very exciting um, and of course, I had to buy the most futuristic dumb thing possible. So I will send you a link to this. And this is going to be, um, I guess we can qualify this as a chef's reject or um, like did not make the menu. Mm-hmm. This is a Panasonic NI-WL600 cordless multidirectional iron. It is a wireless iron. Ooh. It is a very bad product and nobody should buy it. Apparently, after doing more research after I bought it, it's very popular with quilters and people who have extremely large things to iron, which is probably why it has four out of five stars versus it just being a very, very mediocre, initially probably borders on being subpar for an actual clothes iron. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very bad and I had to return it. But the reason so I bring... Go ahead. Is it... So why is it bad? Is it, does it, it doesn't get good? warm. I'm not somebody who... Hi, uh, who irons on really high heat i i want an iron that gets good consistent medium heat and um is good at producing even steam across the plate as you can tell i take ironing very seriously um and this one is very bad at that i ended up getting the rowent i don't know i don't know how you pronounce this german brand but um the rowenta dw50807700 watt micro steam iron stainless steel rolls right off the tongue it was 63 bucks and it does a great job it replaces the old uh trusty black and decker one i had before but the steam is more consistent on that one anyway the reason i bring this up is that um have you have you had to do an amazon return recently Ugh! don't get me started i uh, uh please get started well i so 
uh, well, I, I, I did not make this a chef special because I had not used it enough. It? No, 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 no. I, I had previewed it on the show, but I, I hadn't said that it was too early to make it a chef special. It wasn't, it, it, it couldn't follow the same path that the Power Beats Pro did where they just instantly became a chef special. I needed some time with it. And it's a good thing that I did take that time because the Qi enabled USB battery pack that I had bought from Amazon that I mentioned was the, the, Energizer the, the wire. Yeah. The wire yeah. cutter pick. Uh, the first one that I bought is it broke. Like the, the Qi, the Qi charger part of it will turn on for like five to 10 seconds and then just turn itself off. And then the only way to get any kind of power out of the unit, including if you plug something into one of the three USB ports is to actually plug it into a charger first and then that like resets it and i had been kind of messing around with it because i thought maybe i was just doing something wrong but i'm like well no i probably should just return this and so i was on a trip this last weekend and it had given me some more trouble and i'm like no okay i really do need to return this and literally there was a 30-day return policy and this was the 31st day after i purchased it so yeah, that's that's uh, that's a bummer, but also that's entirely on you. No, it's it, it's entirely on me, and I I have atoned, and I I bought another one, and <laughs> and, it, and you included twenty dollars in the in the in the package to make up for the tipping thing. <laughs> right, I should have. Sorry, um, you, you keep using the word atone. So I'm no, I I <laughs> I bought another one. It it works fine, and I will now take the old one to a proper recycling place and recycle it the next time you get your tesla serviced <laughs> yeah exactly um just say throw this in well one that was a joke about the uh the electronics recycling place next door but you actually just give it to them and be like hey put this in the gigafactory or yeah i mean can they just maybe they can just slap it on the bottom of my car and you get an extra me... half mile range <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> that'd be pretty sweet or it would, it would compensate for dog mode or whatever it's mm-hmm. called right yeah would you ever trust Brian in the car? He'd he'd lose his mind probably, right? He he wouldn't like it. Yeah, yeah. No, he, or, he, I mean, he he looks like he might get anxious after a while. Yeah, like when he he's actually really really good in the car. He's great in the car when his humans are there, right? But you know, when the car stops, like if if he's dead asleep when we're driving, it the the moment the car stops, I mean, he is up and ready to go. <laughs> so where are we going? So the idea of leaving the car and just having him stay there would would not be good for me and it would not be good for him uh oh sorry the amazon return thing so yeah so i had to return this iron sorry people can fast uh rewind three minutes um and there there are always different options and because and you might have seen this but because we are near the berkeley campus one of the options is always return the item at no cost to the berkeley student union amazon store and that always throws me for a loop a little bit, but uh, this time it offered me a zero rather than shipping it back and paying whatever nine dollars for a return shipping or having that deducted from the return. Uh, there was the option to do a no cost return where I did not have to um, put the item in a box or do any of that work or print out a label. I could take it to any UPS store or Kohl's location. And I thought that was uh, super interesting. And I ended up using that option because there's a UPS store uh, fairly close to my house. Don't be creepy. And uh, it, it totally worked out. All I had to do was show them a little uh, a QR code on my phone. 
and they grabbed the product and that was it. And then I got an email like 30 seconds later saying, hey, the refund's been issued. Huh. So the difference here is there's no printing out a shipping label, no putting it in a box and then taking it to UPS. You're just literally taking the product in its package and showing them this QR code and they mm-hmm. take care of the rest. And also no return shipping cost. Well, if, if an item, well, yeah, okay. I guess in your case, the item wasn't defective because if, if the item's defective, they don't charge you for return shipping. But if it's buy, buyer's remorse, you're right, they do. That's correct. And I also, not to toot my own horn, but I'm, I'm, I think a lot of people like, sorry that I think poorly on most Americans or that most people are just selfish people, but I feel like a lot of people probably lie and say stuff is defective when it wasn't. Oh, and, and believe me, the, the, the thought crossed my mind where when I bought this second USB battery, I could very easily put that original one in the, the new box and just return it saying it was bad. Well, no, but, but that's, I'm, that's, gar- that's, I'm, but that's, I'm, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But no, but I, I pride myself on not lying about that kind of stuff. I just feel like a lot of people will, I, I think people lie a lot <laughs> anyway. So yeah. So normally if you choose buyer's remorse, which is what I did, uh, you're charged with ba- based on weight between like five and $10 for return shipping. So yeah, but if you just drop it off at a Kohl's or a UPS store, um, there's no return shipping charge. And I thought that was pretty cool. And also it was nice to not have to package it up because I had already discarded the, um, the exterior carton, not the product box, but the, the boxy box. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, uh, don't buy wireless irons. Not ready for prime time. Hmm. It's like the HomePod. <laughs> All right. Um, I have rearranged, uh, unbeknownst to you, um, a little bit of our stuff. And I'm actually going to do what's freshest for you because it sounds like you were doing your homework, like a, like a very uh, uh, conscientious co-host. I try. <laughs> oh, you didn't do it the week before, though? Uh, Yeah, it's a little hit or miss with me. Yeah. Um, so you'll put it in the show notes. But uh, Mike Davidson, who is... um. Uh, one like somebody I've been following for a while. He's he's an old tech guy, like not 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 in that way. But like he he's like you know. Do you remember Web two point oh? Oh yeah. But like back when like the web was getting reinvented, and there were a lot of people who were influential in kind of uh, uh, crafting design principles and making cool stuff in like two thousand three to two thousand and ten before everything became a cloud thing. Dig dot com. Uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on, that that's like that's that's the poster child, at least for me, for like the whole web two point thing. Whenever I think of uh, web two point I always think of Flickr, which is one of the most depressing things in the world because uh, one, it just languished because they they totally missed the boat and didn't bother. It's kind of like Kodak, where they were too busy selling film that they didn't want to bother with digital photography. Flickr also completely missed the boat and did not like they knew about it, but they just didn't. Um, think about phone photography until it was way too late and became irrelevant. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so Flickr is kind of what I think of as a web 2.0 company, but yeah, Mike Davidson, he is, um, a designer and, um, I think he has his own design or consulting studio now, but he, he's, he's one of, um, he's a really smart guy from, uh, the older web days. Does he not work at Twitter? Uh, I don't think so. They, the article, the article made it seem like he works at Twitter. Was he kept uh, referring to like buying stuff for his coworkers at twitter uh apparently it looks like he uh led their design team for a while i got it yeah um so yeah so he wrote uh an article like just when i saw this pop up on twitter i i 
saw it fairly early and I was like, this is a really interesting article where it is called Superhuman is Spying on You and Superhuman, for people that don't know, is a um, really, really hyped up private beta email application, kind of like Mailbox. And you know how like there was that, that land rush like three years ago for stuff that just showed you your Gmail inbox in a different way? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that it's in a private beta right now where you have to be invited. And also I think it's a product where they're actually very um, upfront that it's going to be a paid for product, which software that costs money and is sustainable. I'm, I'm super happy with like, that's great. Um, but yeah, there's been a ton of uh, hype around it. And there was this glowing um, New York times article about it that I don't have a link for, but I forget what it was called. Something about like, would you spend $30 a month to save yourself from email or something like that? Um, anyway, it's, and it's, a, it's an app that a lot of people seem to like or is doing interesting things and apparently makes it easier to triage and manage your email and not and kind of n- not get, like, I, I know Merlin abandoned the whole inbox zero thing, but to find a way to, to make email more manageable, especially for um, digital professionals. So yeah, it, it's been all um, rainbows and like butterscotch for for them. And uh, yeah, so he he wrote that uh, this article about superhuman is spying on you, and it's targeting a very specific feature um, that allows somebody who's using the superhuman app to uh, track an email that they send. Um, and we've talked about in the past about like Facebook's tracking pixel and where how you get retargeted on the web and stuff like that. And those are principles that have been re um, that have been adopted and, and deployed for this specific feature by superhuman where inside of an email that you send there is an invisible tracking pixel that allows superhuman to see uh two things um it is now only one thing but it's it used to be two things where you could see uh when somebody opened an email how often they opened the email that you sent them and where they were when they opened it so first off do you think this is a good feature no why Oh, there's lots of different reasons. Where do you want me to start? So, well, think of it selfishly. Don't think of it. Pretend you're um, uh, a Silicon Valley Bay Area bubble person, because if also, I will put a link that you can include in the show notes. But um, Tech Meme is great, where they can like just snapshot a time in history of something, and they're very good about including tweets of the relevant conversation on the internet. And that link to tech meme will show you there's like 40 like tweets that they um, have tagged for the specific conversation. You can hover over it and see what people are thinking. But there's a surprising number of like VC like tech bubble people that are like, oh, yeah, everybody else does this. Why is this a problem? This is great. You just need to get used to a world where there's no privacy. And it's it's a fascinating read to see who um, just does not care about this at all. And also people who are very rationally thinking this is fucking creepy as shit. But yeah, so, so so tell me why you think this is bad. So this is bad because... So I... The whole privacy is dead thing, I I don't agree with it wholeheartedly. I, I get it, though. Like, I, I get where that's coming from. In a world where we're all online, we're sharing data more rapidly than we ever have before, we're signing up for all these different services, not reading the terms of service that go along with them. Like, I, I, I get all of that. But I do still think there are reasonable standards to have around kind of when you expect your privacy 
probably isn't being fully protected versus when it when it should be. So like the example for me is with something like Google services, like my personal Google services, I understand as a user that by having Google provide me with all of these free services that they are then using my data for probably lots of different reasons. And that's just kind of the exchange that we make. But in a situation like this, where if you're just some person receiving an email from someone who's sent that message from superhuman, it should not be the expectation that potentially every email you receive, not only will the person who sent it to you receive a notice that you've read that email, but they'll see how many times you've read it and where you've read it. There's, there's no world, even in kind of the extreme kind of privacy is dead world, where I, I think that that's a reasonable expectation for someone to have. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think you're right. Or I mean, th- I think that's the rational take. Um, it's, it, it's, it's difficult because, uh, like the, the trade-off, um, or like the, the biggest, the most common refrain of people who thought this was no big deal was, um, all, all marketing and like, like Salesforce and, and any type of like, um, CRM thing for marketing, has adopted this technology for a while. And they're like, well, if gigantic companies are doing it, why shouldn't individuals have this policy? But like, there's a difference where if like I email Ryan saying, hey, let's go to Pico. And then I see that you've opened that email four times. And I'm like, Ryan hasn't responded to this email. Like, why is he being a dick? Like, that's something that regular people shouldn't really have the ability to do. Or alternatively, there needs to be a way for me to opt into that. Because I guess that's the biggest issue where this is like a not a level playing field where maybe sure you can say that this has not been the norm and this is not behavior that we expect of other people. But sure, if you're on this new like email 2.0 service and we think this is a feature, it's like read receipts on iMessages and we think people should know and be able to do this. But since you can email just anybody on the web, like no, that I think that was the biggest and most valid complaint about this, which is that there's no way to opt out of this except uh, disabling remote image loading, which I think that I, th- I think that's a stupid thing to, to say is that somebody has to cripple their email experience to uh, of being able to load images inline in order to stop creepy tracking. But like, I, I just if for something that most people don't know is happening, I just feel like that's that's super sketchy. Right. And it might calls this out in the article, the comparison to something like iMessage is totally bogus, because iMessage, the ability to turn on or off read receipts is on the recipient, not the sender. Mm-hmm. And even if the recipient opts in, it's not your location or the number of times you've read the message that gets sent back. It's literally just the fact that you've read the message. And I, to me, like, you know, making the argument around like, well, read receipts are kind of just this standard thing that lots of different apps do is dumb for that exact reason where location sharing has never been something that other, you know, read receipt type features have ever had before. And it's, it's not reasonable to think that someone, or I guess maybe put a different way, there is actually like a scenario where maybe having, you know, read receipts sent back to the person who sent you a message would be useful. But 
the number of times you've read the message and the location where you read that message, like what are, what are the examples of where as the, as the recipient of the message, you would want that information to automatically be sent back to the sender? Well, zero, but that's not the point. It's information asymmetry. So that a bunch of, um, like it, it, it's people always wanting to pay for a better experience that gets one. It's, it's very American to get one over on somebody else. You always want to have more information than the other person. And that's exactly what this does, and that's why this is shitty. Like, there is no reason this this would ever be okay. And we'll we'll get to their response because they did sort of backtrack. This and there's a whole ton of parallels between the superhuman thing and the Zoom thing, where people they just kind of sit on it for a while, eventually hold their ground, sort of, and then eventually backtrack on it, kind of. Uh, but the reason why I really, really like both this and the subsequent article that he does where um, he says that their uh, superficial privacy fixes don't actually solve anything is that one, these are both extreme, like fairly long reads, but I think people like carve out some time to read it. Like it's really good. And it's also like, I, I, I'm so pleased and, and um, in awe of somebody who can write as well as this, where they can kind of form the, the arguments people are going to make against it and make the counterpoints in a really easy to read and uh, thoughtful way. Like where like in, he, he breaks it down into like four key things, but uh, going back to your example of iMessages where he says, uh, what if every single time you viewed somebody's text message, your phone sent a timestamp and location back to the sender, creating a map of your movements. There's a reason Apple doesn't allow this. Like every part of it is just so well reasoned and thought out, which is why, um, this actually um, ended up going somewhere and became a bit of an internet controversy, even though it's it's mostly over with a week later. Um, and then, yeah, and he calls out, or not calls out, but he, he cites a bunch of people who, and, and takes down some arguments from people who said that, um, uh, who, who tried to make uh, arguments against it and kind of tactfully explains why, no, that's wrong, or, or this is this is unreasonable. So yeah, like this whole thing is just, is, is is super interesting, and um, I think like over the next like five to ten years, there's gonna be a whole bunch of products like this that have just try to normalize or or make commonplace breaking down barriers of accepted privacy or um, like internet norms. And I don't know, I, I just think that's gonna be a really interesting, interesting uh, thing to watch. Yeah, I I agree. Um... And I, I agree on your take of the article itself, where at one point he talks about the fact that he's already 4,000 words in, and I it dawned on me, I'm like, really? Because like, it's so easy to read. It, it's yeah. so easy to read, right? Yeah. I was like, wow. I mean, like, I, I knew it was, it was long as I was going along, but it didn't, didn't feel that way. Um, and you're right. I think one of my favorite parts of it is the way he sort of takes down some of the arguments that got thrown his way. And my, my favorite example of that is he had gotten a tweet uh, from someone who actually ended up being an investor the who, best. Did, who didn't disclose mm -hmm. that. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, and so the argument he makes is, if you don't want people to know when you open emails, turn off images. Otherwise, it's part of the platform and you made your own bed. And then he infuriatingly puts the little shrug emoji because apparently he's from sh shrug capital or something. People are ruining that emoji. That's that's a very fun, honest <laughs> emoji. Stop, stop. Don't be shitty with that one. Uh, but, but Mike's response is great. He says, this person looks at all people who use email as potential people to exploit. How many people use email? Two billion or so? 
And how many of those have turned images off? Probably a tiny percentage. And how many are expecting that every time they open an email from a friend, their friend gets notified with their geolocation? I would guess almost zero. So what this person is essentially saying is that since most people leave their curtains open at night, it's ethical for the company he funds to film what goes on inside. So good. That's, that's so good. And then you, uh, we'll, we'll move off this topic because it's, it's, a, it's, it's a busy week, but you, I'm, I'm going to steal something that you highlighted um, in Slack earlier where he brings this back to, because he's somebody who, who's built companies and has worked for very, very large companies and, and built and led teams. And he, he knows about startup culture and, and, and he, he wisely brings up that oh, when a company first forms, there are no norms or principles guiding how people should make decisions. It's basically what's in the founder's heads. With each decision, a company makes its decision genome established and subsequently hardened. And, and that's one of the things where as looking at how a company chooses to make the early decisions about the product and how they adapt to criticism and how the product evolves, like that becomes the company culture. And I know like, it, especially in the Bay Area, you hear all about, oh yeah, company culture, we're a family, bullshit, bullshit. But like he very... Um, clearly brings up kind of like the Facebook problem where if you in the Uber problem, where if you think your place is to move fast and break things and um, what's, what's the other uh, cliche um, something, something ask for, ask for forgiveness later. Yeah. Ask for forgiveness, not permission. Yeah. Like just like it, just a whole ton of stuff where you see companies early on figuring out, are they going to be a company that embraces shitty behavior and, will try to uh, walk back as controversy um, follows, or are you going to do the right thing? And this is a whole different subset. Um, and there's a bunch of people like uh, Mike Davidson who have uh, who talk about um, ethical design. Um, and that's something that I think the Bay Area knows almost nothing about, um, of not even just like design is how it works and stuff like that. But the product, hmm, stepping back, like the, the the reason why Twitter and Facebook are the way that they are, and this probably applies more to Twitter than than most others, is that if you adopt a bunch of policies and you shape the design of your product based off of solely maximizing growth at all costs, and then you wake up one day and realize it's just a bunch of Nazis and 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 um just like hate speech and like trolling. You kind of have to think of what, what the decisions you made early on were that led you to that. And if this is the type of thing where in the early alpha and beta stages of a product where you think, you know what, this is a paid product and we're going to help use this uh, platform as a way to um, let people spy on the email, uh, on their email recipients and uh, like send somebody an email saying, oh yeah, I see that you opened up this email eight times yet you haven't gotten back to me. What's the deal? Like I think that says a lot about your company and what how you actually respond to criticism and how you evolve the product is um is just yeah it's it just it says a lot about how, what you will be doing in the future. Yeah, we did bury the lead a little bit. I I thought the section on um company company culture and sort of how company culture gets formed is the part that was the biggest takeaway for me and is the thing that's going to kind of stick with me i think like i'm gonna i'm gonna be thinking about that for a while yeah um and another reason why i cannot wait to read uh mike isaac's book about uber mm -hmm. that's out 
soon, right? Like, I, there are people in the world who have copies of that thing. Yeah, but they're they're, they're fancy insiders who got it. Yeah, yeah, copies. yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah. I don't think it's out until September. But I just mm. realized it's July, so that's actually not that far away. This year mm. is just sailing by. Yeah. Um, and then you'll put in the notes. Um, oh, well, so we should talk about the, the response that um, uh, Superhuman gave after a bunch of silence and them getting their VC buddies to go on Twitter and, and pick fights and, and also not really disclose that they had invested to talk about, oh, well, yeah, privacy is dead. Um, they, where is the, the page? Yeah, so uh, Rahul Vorha um uh, is this founder or ceo uh founder and ceo of superhuman so what they're changing about this product as a result of the controversy is that um they are stopping logging all location information and they are removing all save location information they are uh prioritizing a feature where um superhuman and that was the other criticism where superhuman users actually couldn't turn off remote image loading like you can on gmail so they actually could not opt themselves out of this type of tracking uh shitty tracking that they themselves invented um and uh it's it's now a feature that's off by default so if you want to do this type of read receipt thing you have to um opt in but uh conspicuously this doesn't actually solve one of the biggest complaints which is that there's no way for the end user to opt out of even though now it's not being um geolocated you can still see how uh, how frequently somebody opened the message and timestamps of that audit trail on when that email was loaded. So even though they like the company got a bunch of accolades about their measured response and responding to controversy, um, they actually didn't really respond to the biggest one. And um, Davidson has a very good follow up piece explaining why that's uh, it was mostly bullshit. Yeah, their response was no good. But for a while, everybody was like, oh, yeah, look, look at how brave this is or, or how uh, this is how you respond to a controversy. And uh, get out of here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So some weekend reading for people. All right. Uh, can we uh, let's let's break it up a little bit. Do you want to talk about? Um, well, I'm uh, we, we can give a minute for listeners to guess, but uh, HBO or Warner Media has given a name to their uh, HBO Warner Media over the top service, and it um, it's pretty bad. <laughs> well, there's really only a handful of words it could be, right? Oh, I mean, I, it, it could be uh, Quibi. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Netflix one? Quickster. Quickster. Um, Quickest, oh, so uh, to, to cut to the chase, it's called Wait, HBO is that, is that Max. What you were, is that what you were going for, or was Quibi a different thing? No, I'll get to that. I'm I'm all out of sorts. My notes are not well organized tonight. But yeah, so they, it's called HBO Max because um, even though that was the dumbest name possible for an iPhone, it is now the dumbest name possible for a uh, streaming media service. And also shows that um, AT&T and Warner Media uh, do not care about the brand equity uh, that HBO has at all. And they are going to run it into the ground and... HBO Max is now a thing that has like old episodes of The Sopranos, as well as like everything from TBS and the CW and all these other um, like less prestigious brands. Like I'm not going to hate on anybody who like wants to watch like Gossip Girl reruns and stuff, but uh, like HBO has a lot of um, goodwill behind it. And apparently, yeah, they're just going to throw that out there, uh, throw it out and call it HBO Max. 
Yeah, I, I admit when you first sent this to me, I kind of just got fixated on the max part and kind of how dumb that was. But then when I was, as you would say, doing my homework for the show and looking at this again, I had that same thought where I was like, wait, they're they're just going to reuse the HBO brand for like everything Warner? Like that seems really bad. Like, it seems like they've carefully crafted the like i'm trying to figure out like like the analogy like it, i mean actually it, it it's it's a lot like the like disney plus well, it, but disney it seems... plus i think di- everybody knows that like disney is already kind of a diluted brand not not in that way like i think it's actually no i i i, mm, I very much disagree with that you know, I, I don't mean that it's like a i just think people already know that disney means a lot of things where i think hbo people think that it means high production value somewhat edgy premium cable content where people know that disney runs the gamut from theme parks to superhero movies to pixar to animated classics like i think people already know that that's a broad reaching brand where hbo was actually very very clear in what it was where i think this is very dilutive whereas disney plus is like i think that's actually a very apt catch-all for a service that encompasses the wide spectrum of brands that they own well but actually see I, I disagree a little bit though because i think disney plus is actually very very focused on the handful of sort of premium things that disney does i mean what's what's not on the service and i i don't mean this as a dig in fact the show that the lady friend and i are currently watching is, is an abc show but abc's not on here because if you were just to throw abc broadcasting's like entire back catalog on disney plus i think that would would kind of dilute the kind of the disney name i give it two years before the bachelor is on disney plus no i i I completely disagree i don't think that'll ever happen i think i think disney plus the so the you know when you open the app apparently you basically see you know, five brands. You see Disney, you see Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. Well, sorry, let me clarify. I, I think within two years, Disney Plus basically uh, it gives no option of opting out of Hulu. No, I, I disagree with that, too. I think that'll be... that'll be. Yeah, we, we were in such good agreement on that, that um, super I know, and, and now, we're, now we're back to me being right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I, I think Disney Plus will remain these five um, categories. I don't know what the right word is. I, I, well, like, like, and that, uh, and that's it. like content silos where like, yeah, you have, you, yeah. They, the Nat Geo was apparently the only thing that they thought was family friendly enough to put under the Disney Plus umbrella from their, um, what did they abbreviate 20th Century Fox? Oh, uh, 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 two, uh, two zeros CF or something. Something like that. Well, like know? in all the promo material, there was a little asterisk that said uh, Nat Geo based off of pending close of 20 CF assets or something. Anyway. Um, okay. So, but it's so HBO Max. Yeah. It's, it's a silly name. Um, and as uh, people know from listening to Upstream on a uh, friend of the show, show uh, Upgrade, um, Netflix is losing left and right a bunch of their mainstay like back catalog content that they've licensed from other people. So um, uh, the office is going to be a part of the, um, the NBC universal over the top service. And um, 
which is the one that HBO Max, it's Friends, right? The Warner Media owns Friends. Yes. Yeah. So that's also going away, which I actually don't think matters that much. Like, I think those were both like nice things that were available on Netflix. But again, they have so much original content and other stuff where I just don't think anybody actually will care. Like, I think it'll be a minor annoyance, but I, I think absolutely zero people cancel Netflix because uh, Friends isn't on there anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. Really? Like, it, it, it does that? Does this make you want Netflix less? It, me personally, no. But just given that, isn't Friends still the number one stream show on the entire service? So, but because like it was because it was available on Netflix, and everybody has Netflix. Like, I think that's a chicken and egg thing. Maybe. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So HBO Max, it's coming in spring of 2020. Um, and again, because it's so stupidly named, um, the pr- uh, press material for this said, anchored with and inspired by the legacy of HBO's excellence and award-winning storytelling, the new service will be maximized with an extensive, mm-hmm. the worst, mm-hmm. with an ex- extensive collection of exclusive original programming, Max Originals, and the best of the best from Warner Media's enormous portfolio of beloved brands and libraries. Jeez. As you, as you like to say, shut it all down. <laughs> Yeah. Um, also, so people can know, uh, other exclusives to this service will be The French Prince of Bel-Air mm. and uh, Pretty Little Liars. So those will be uh, all streaming on Max. Uh, M-A-X, not M-A-C-S. Um, and yeah, this is... I th- The next iPhone is probably going to be called iPhone Pro, right? Like, they have to get away from the Max branding now that this exists. Like, I don't think Apple makes their decision based off of what other people do, but I think I think this makes, even though Max meant nothing before, I think this makes Max worth even less now. To be totally honest, I've completely given up on predicting what future iPhones are going to be called <laughs> because we live in a world now where there's the iPhone XS, XS Max, and XR. And it's the letter X that denotes 10. So it, anything is, you know. So, so when I was looking at the Harry Potter wand and I was near the uh, the Genius Grove in Union Square, somebody said, oh, you're looking at the 10R? She's like, no, I'm looking for the XR. And it made me die a little inside. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't doubt that. I, I, every once in a while, I slip. No, no, but the, 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 she thought that the 10R and XR were different things. No, I, I I get that that's a, that's a more extreme example, but like even you know me who's like you know as again as you say plugged into this stuff, I I slip up and say XR sometimes. Yeah, uh, weird times. Uh, but again, it doesn't even matter. They're gonna they're gonna shut it down. They're not gonna make iPhones anymore because it's all about services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Oh, so I want I a quick experiment. So somebody from The Verge, I think it's um. What's his name? The one guy who left the internet for a bit. Ah, whatever. Uh, Josh Tobolsky? No, never mind. It it doesn't actually matter. So open up this webpage. Okay. So apparently you're supposed to, it's an experiment where you're supposed to drag all these streaming services and on the right uh, side of the axis is the thing you think is most likely to succeed. And on the left side, you're supposed to put the stuff that is most likely to fail. Okay. And I just think it's 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 a very interesting thing that maybe our listeners should give it a sh- uh, give it a shot. So I think we put Netflix all the way on the right, Disney slightly less over, but still there. That's, that's exactly what I just have done. Yes. I don't I 
is Voodoo still owned by Walmart? I think Crunchyroll is the over-the-top anime service. Um, and then, yeah, Quibi, uh, which I totally forgot about, is, um, I think it's like DreamWorks. It's like whoever Jeffrey Katzenberg is and Meg Whitman are starting their own streaming service. So that's what the hell Quibi is. Prime Video, I don't think Bezos is ever going to give up on that. CBS All Access, that I don't know because I don't watch um, Star Trek, YouTube, I don't know. So anyway, it did, but the whole point, this is a fun experiment that people can give a shot with. And actually, since they made this, I think Filmstruck has already been, um, was acquired by AT&T and shuttered. And also the um, the whole uh, conceit of this, or the, the biggest joke, is that the website's called gone90.biz. And that's because, and nobody will actually know what this is, but uh, Verizon had a service uh, targeting millennials that was called Go90. Uh, because go 90 you rotate your phone 90 degrees to watch landscape video got it okay it all it all comes for a circle uh-huh and uh as one can expect or actually it is 90 degrees if you will. yeah uh e, what, what's the uh, two over pi what's the doesn't matter <laughs> anyway go 90 does not exist anymore so people should go uh give us a shot uh on their free time after they're done reading the superhuman stuff Wait, so why is so the the only question I have about this so far is why is HBO and HBO Max like two separate things? Because I I guess that is is does H well because well let's let's bring this back to the subject at hand. Does HBO now slash go continue as a separate streaming service? Because how much more does the HBO Max that includes all of the Warner Media stuff and all the other AT&T media properties? How much more does that cost than the $15 a month that HBO now costs? So which is, the, is it Go or Now that's the one that you can get separate from your cable subscription? Well, they're the same thing, because if you buy HBO through your cable provider, it's 15 to $17 a month anyway. So Go is the one that you get through uh, an MSO like Comcast, and HBO Now is the one that is um, uh, like in-app purchase over the top. So I could see HBO now going away and just getting folded into HBO Max. But then the HBO Go that that seems like it's be, that's become too ingrained with like when you have HBO through your cable subscription like it, it you expect to get that. Well so also going back to the uh, the earlier question, how much more does HBO Max cost than HBO either at now or on your cable package like how much do you think this costs since we've already set the baseline at it's, being 15 dollars a month it's such a good question and i just like I, I i'm still so hung up on the the fact that disney plus is six ninety eight dollars oh well sorry seven bucks but it's it's gonna it's gonna go up to like 12 it, I mean, in, it, in two it, years it, but it will it will but but okay so even at 12 though it's just well, it's a steal because how much does even though i know netflix recently increased prices i think i'm paying 15 dollars a month for the non 4k version so that, like, that's, that's what i'm that's what i'm saying like i guess like when i'm looking at the these the lineup of streaming services on this thing to me the only one that could justify being more expensive than Disney Plus is Netflix. The rest of these, it just doesn't make any sense to me how you could say that there's more value on those services than there is on Disney Plus. But conversely, I don't see how these services could could be priced at either seven or even like twelve bucks a month. It just doesn't seem viable. I mean, Disney can do it because they're Disney. But I think this is all a way of saying why 
I think we're going to end up in a world where it's basically going to be Netflix, Disney, and probably Prime Video just because Amazon is Amazon and they have AWS. Well, so what about um, uh, like Sling TV and Hulu Plus Live TV? Like, do you think any of that survives? Like, how are people going to get their ESPN? Because ES- does ESPN Plus ever become ESPN proper? And then how much does that cost? Because they've spent so much on the NBA. So I guess there is sort of a unknown category to me, which is live sports. The The future of how live sports fits into streaming is still a little unclear. I guess I'm... I would narrow this just on um, like non live sports. Well, so how many how many of these things do you think people are going to subscribe to on average? Like, think an upper middle class household. How many of them do they subscribe to? Three. Exclude Prime Video because it's included in Prime. I think I, I think well, I'll, I'll call it basically like two point five, somewhere between two and three. <laughs> like two and a half children, yeah. Um, <laughs> Apple TV is your half child. Um, so. So let's say on average, all these things in the next three years are probably going to trend to being $16 each. Does that sound fair? Yeah, it sounds about right. Okay. So you're spending $48. Let's round up 50 bucks a month on over the top services. Uh, your cable bill is looking pretty cheap now. Um, but then what are people doing for news, live sports and other stuff? Like where, where does that factor in? Cause you, um, PlayStation view, which is a terrible name as well. Um, and, uh, YouTube TV, both jacked up prices by $5 a month, where I think the cheapest package on those after the free trial is now like 48 or $50 a month as well. Like I, I, I cannot wait for all these cord cutters to, uh, realize that this isn't cheaper. No, I know. I, I will, I will continue to happily subscribe to Comcast and then continue to pay for Netflix and HBO and then in the fall, sign up for Disney Plus, and there, that's you know, that's my setup. Uh, well, and then I guess we have Prime Video because you know <laughs> we have Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, also, shout out to Upgrade this week. Uh, there was a very I forget what uh, what was the exact point, but um, actually, what was the point? Oh, just like the like, and I think Jason, you also mentioned this on the. Um, six colors a subscriber podcast where it's like eventually this whole thing is going to collapse where like we're in this land rush mode where it's kind of like just like venture capital where there's just such an abundance of the best possible tv you could possibly be watching which there's literally like nobody unless you uh like don't have a job like you or and stay home all day like you, there's no time for any uh, like person to watch most of the best tv and eventually like we're in this land rush phase where everybody's trying to get like a back catalog or like marquee stuff that gets people to sign up that eventually has to scale itself down like there's no way we can keep producing like amc can't have like four prestige shows a year and then hbo and then netflix and then prime video and then cbs like there just isn't enough time in the day for people to watch all this stuff and there's going to be a talent stretch or a talent, um, like a brain drain there too. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it in, in this way. But yeah, I, I think the, the right way to put it is the, the amount of money that's being spent on content now and going forward will never be recouped. There's, there's, too, there's too much content out there now to, 
to be to be economically viable because people just cannot watch that much content. So there will inevitably some kind of be some kind of scaling back. Yeah, because the whole point is that you you just have to have one or two shows that makes your service um, uh, invaluable for a certain pe- a person. But just I don't know, like how? But do you have a strong enough brand to know what type of content that is for you, or do you just do the Netflix approach and just do a scatter shot, like just make a ton of good stuff, and hopefully that's enough to keep people from canceling? And that's just not a sustainable strategy long term for. 12 people to be doing that right what what was the number they threw out on upgrade it's like there's 500 original tv programs being produced for american audiences this year something like that it's it's staggering they've talked about this on a show that i don't listen to enough but i should more but uh tv talk machine they 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 totally brought that up where just like it's it's just so impossible where like actual honest to goodness like these are actual great shows yeah it ranks in the hundreds per year and i kind of want to watch that show that he was talking about that was on like stars or epics or something but again i'm never going to subscribe to that and i I don't necessarily want it to fall off a truck or to pick it up if it fell off a truck (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile here i am uh binge watching modern family that's been my thing recently can can, a quick quick uh, uh, uh digression to that um, are you watching current generate current early airing ones? I'm on season two. We started at the very beginning because I I've I've seen episodes like here and there, but I've never consistently watched it, and so I, I wanted to kind of start from the beginning, and so that that's what we did. Should I say nothing or should? No, no. I've I've heard I've heard the thing that it in more recent seasons kind of goes downhill a bit, but when the yeah, kids just, get older, gonna... it's not good. Yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna enjoy it while while I still like it. First five or six seasons are uh, absolutely it's, tremendous. It's, it's really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like it's, well, I'm. It, it's really good. Yeah, I need to watch more of it before I make any declarations about where it ranks in like top TV shows. But it, I think it's going to end up end up somewhere up there. Yeah. So where is it? Well, so that's the thing. Is so with this. <laughs> Wait, with this well, no, so that actually fits into this conversation a little bit. So it's not on any of the streaming services. You can get the most recent season on Hulu if you're a paid subscriber, which I guess, is, is, is there only paid Hulu? Is there free Hulu anymore? There's only paid Hulu, but there's cheap Hulu, which is $8 a month with it's so many ads. And then it's twelve or thirteen dollars a month. But yeah, there is. We I think we covered this a month ago. There, there is no free version. There is no like watch the Daily Show Hulu anymore. Okay. Um. Well, so the but just being able to stream season ten doesn't do me any good because I wanted to go back to the beginning. And even Hulu doesn't have like the previous seasons. So then I checked ABC's streaming app because they still have like a standalone app for now. Same thing. You could stream. Season 10, which is the most recent season, but nothing before that. So I ended up just buying the first 10 seasons on iTunes. Wait, and what? And do, do, doing it the old school way. Wait, you bought, you bought all 10 sight unseen or there was some like deal for... There, like... there was, so there, it's funny. So like each season on its own is like $35. And that was yeah. the first thing that I saw. And I was like, Jesus... <laughs> But then at the bottom of the page, you're like, oh, here's our season one through 10 bundle for like $110. Jesus. Yeah, but that for $110 for, I mean, 
if that's like 200 episodes over 200 episodes of tv that's that's pretty good wow that's a wow that's a commitment oh but i will but i'm i I knew that i was because the the lady friend had season one on dvd so we were already like halfway through season one and we were actually going on a trip and i we like i wanted a way you know i I've I've sold my portable DVD player a while back, and so I <laughs> needed. Wait, a way. sorry. Up until what year did you have a portable DVD player? That was not a laptop. I had one. I had one. I think my freshman year of college, maybe. So that would have been like 2006. Was it Dynex brand or Insignia brand? It probably, it probably <laughs> was. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, and, and also I should put it in perspective, uh, the 110 is not so bad because you got to spend your um, your refund check that the producers of Rust Development set everybody for wasting their time. <laughs> uh, did you ever make it through season five or did you just say screw it and not watch it? I, we haven't watched, so they, they released the second half of that um, and I have, have not watched that yet. This save, save your sanity. Uh, okay, so to round out the over the top or the, just like the streaming bundle discussion. So on go90.biz, where does, and again, the, the whole point of this is on the rightmost side of the of the dotted line is most viable and will be most likely to stick around. Where does Apple TV Plus land on that? And and don't give a jokey answer, like honestly. What, no, yeah, where? I'm, I'm trying to drag it to the, off the far left-hand side <laughs> of my browser, but it's not, it's not letting me drag it onto my desktop. You don't, you don't think Apple, uh, Apple will be so proud that they'll just keep just throwing money out the back of a Brinks truck? No. Do you think in two years they're like, this was stupid and we're over it? Sorry, we're just going to keep, we're going to go back to doing what we do best, which is being middlemen. It might be more than two years, but I do think that that's going to be the conclusion, yes. Okay. But before they make a car. <laughs> Probably before they make a car, yeah. With that beautiful transition, uh, we will we'll demote that thing. Apple News. I'm very happy we had a week off so we did not discuss the Johnny Ive departure fresh. Mm-hmm. Because um, one, we actually probably won't talk about it a lot here because it has been discussed to death by literally everybody on the internet already. Uh, but yeah, right after last week's show, I think uh, it was like a Thursday afternoon, the Financial Times uh, reported that Johnny Ive is out at Apple um, that he is starting his own design firm called something. I don't. I don't remember. Well, didn't it have love in the name? Probably. Wiki Sir Johnny Ive. Um. On twenty nine June twenty nineteen, am I on British Wikipedia? Uh, it was announced that Ive would leave Apple after twenty seven years to start his own design firm called Love From, with industrial designer Mark Newson. Um, yeah, so he, uh, Johnny Ive is no longer chief design officer at Apple, which as listeners will remember is a made up job title that they gave him as he was already, um, uh, one and a half feet out the door. Um, yeah. Thoughts. I mean, I, I'm of the opinion that this in practice actually probably happened long ago and the the whole promotion to chief design officer was a a big sign of that so i think the i think 
post Johnny Ive Apple is already the Apple that we've seen from the past handful of years. Um, I think he's been really, really involved with Apple Park and probably not a ton else within Apple kind of like post uh, Series 1 Apple Watch. So I don't really think this changes any of the fundamentals or as you and Nate Silver would say, kind of should change any of your priors about Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't, I don't really see this as being that big of a deal necessarily. I think there are, as we've discussed ad nauseum on this show, there are dozens of things that people should probably be more concerned about slash thinking about a little bit more about Apple than uh, Johnny Ive. Yeah. Again, I, I think it's good that we had uh, a week to marinate on this because when we posted this, uh, this got five rotating lights from me, uh, 12 from you. So we thought this was very, very big news at the time. But yeah, the, the more that you think about it, um, probably doesn't matter all that much because, again, he'd been there 27 years and I, I have no insider knowledge, but I, I feel like he probably... Um, had a uh, succession plan and uh, built a good, solid team of people who could take over for him. Um, and again, like he's he seems like somebody based off of um, oh, that's something that again this feels like old news from a year ago. Uh, Bloomberg had a report, or no, the Wall Street Journal had a report about kind of how his last years were at Apple and how he was super checked out, and they had um, anecdotes about how. Um, there was a meeting in like Cupertino or San Francisco where Johnny Ive was just like three hours late to it or didn't show up. And everybody was like, just like, what the fuck? Like it was, uh, and, and then it was something that actually Tim Cook actually pulled to Steve Jobs and um, wrote to another reporter saying, yeah, the story's bullshit, except uh, Tim said it in a much nicer way. Um, Yeah. Like, I, I just think this is not really going to be that big of a departure. Um, because like, there's no way that uh, Johnny was actually still like hand crafting every product that left the company, especially as they started making more and more stuff. Um, and then also as like uh, people can go listen to um, the episode of the talk show with uh, guest Ben Thompson, which was a very, very, very good discussion about this. Um, where like it was a reminder where like in the iOS seven era after um, Scott Forstall was forced out. Um, like uh, I have also got put in charge of the design direction and a whole bunch of stuff with the software team where he was also splitting his attention there. So I, I, I just think like, yes, for a period, he had a ton of influence on Apple, um, on both the hardware and software side. But I think eventually they started reining in the software and he became checked out and had his own other projects, especially with Apple park, where he just kind of, maybe his influence is probably less than people might've thought now that there's some perspective and distance on it. So I don't know. When he, uh, like Gruber, I thought made uh, like a really, really insightful point on the, the Ben Thompson talk show episode where he went into his story about how he had the chance to sit down with Johnny Ive for 30 minutes after the Apple Watch event. And basically what they focused on entirely were the straps that were shipping with the first version of the watch and how he had spent a ton of his time focused on how the straps would work. 
And the conclusion that Gruber kind of came to from that and other kind of, I guess, you know, stories he's heard and interactions he's had with Johnny Ive is, you know, he's, he's more focused on designs that are timeless, you know, like designs that I think the phrase that Gruber used was something like, you know, if you look at like an Apple watch strap today, you could have looked at it 10 years ago, or you could look at it 10 years in the future. And at all three points in time, you would still think it's really good design. Whereas, you know, computers, realistically, you get two or three years out of a design and then people want the next thing. And so, you know, Apple Park is another really good example of how I think he's he's just more into designs that are lasting as opposed to more kind of fleeting designs, which just in the, you know, in, in the T word world, that's, that's what design is. It's kind of more disposable. Yeah. And, and that's why like, I was probably just going to now make a bunch of like weird stuff for rich people. And and I don't mean that in a bad way, but kind of like, you know, like, um, what was the thing where the guy who also the, the his partner, um, the uh, Newsome guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Where he, didn't they make like some like hourglass thing? Yeah, and and like to to their to their credit, they've done it mo- usually for charity. But um, but yeah, no, they, they're they're not designing stuff that you're going to find in your local Best Buy next week. It's you know, I mean, may- maybe in Magnolia, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> or sorry, Waco Magnolia, not Magnolia Home Theater. Um, and didn't they also make a a product red? Yeah, they did. Um, it was it it, it auctioned off for ninety nine. What's that word? Nine hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars. Um, put this in the thing. They made a product red uh, a version of the aluminum trash can Mac Pro. So yes, yeah, so I, I look forward to him making a bunch of wacky stuff that's really cool and beautiful, and I'm sure like super elegant, but is is probably for a much smaller audience, and is just more for the sake of uh, ostentatious design versus um stuff that is meant to be mass produced in by the tens of millions so i i've I've put links to gruber's write-up and then also bloomberg's write-up i thought those were both really good um and capture you know most of what you need to know the last thing about this that i do want to because you had uh this this was a hot take on vice news and you did not um agree with it um but it was the title is history will not be kind to Johnny Ive. Uh, Ive, Apple's chief design officer, is leaving the company. He leaves a legacy that made its products hard to repair and impossible to upgrade. Where the the, the thesis is that um, under Ive's uh, tenure, their uh, Apple's designs, which were never super repairable, but they became almost um, most of Ive's designs, kind of speak to disposable technology versus durable and repairable technology and you did not buy this or you or you pushed back on it i believe i'm trying to i'm trying to find our oh here we go our our slack thread here um i so i i think that repairability is something that this era of apple will be remembered for but I don't know. I, I my take is that that's that's not really the most pressing thing or the thing that has the biggest impact on people because the reality is that even if you yourself can't repair an iPhone, there are 
lots of third-party options to be able to do that, even though Apple kind of tries to make it difficult. I I think that the increasingly high prices of Apple products and some of the just generally kind of poor functionality we've seen with things like the keyboard and with uh, software reliability just not being what it used to be and the App Store kind of being a, a mess, those are the things that um, that this era of Apple that, you know, Johnny Ive has overseen, at least from a design perspective, is is that if you want to talk about things that might be kind of a stain to his legacy, which, I mean, this should all be caveated by, I mean, the guy is a genius and has done lots of really cool stuff. But if you want to, you know, look at the negatives, to me, those are the things that stand out more than, hey, I, I'm not able to easily swap the battery in my iPhone. Yeah, I, I just sent you a GIF, which I think explains this, which is why can't it be both? Um, because yeah, there, there's some of the design over function software things and all, and a whole lot of that other stuff, which I think, uh, Schiller and a bunch of other people share, or was it when the app store was having its roughest period, who was in control of that was a Q or who, who was in charge of it. And then Schiller took over and to a degree, the app store got better or at least a few times got shorter. I don't remember who was in charge before Schiller. I guess, yeah, I guess it was Q. Yeah. So like some stuff has gotten better, but I, I actually do think like I know Apple's Apple's made a lot of cool stuff recently, but and maybe I'm just really grouchy about um just the garbage fire that is the current generation MacBook Pros. Um especially and mine now has the issue where the screen rattles inside the computer. That that one's the best. I haven't heard that one. Uh sh- uh uh move your laptop from just so you can ruin your day tomorrow. Uh just kind of shake it from side to side and you will hear um, if the laptop's more than like a year and a half old, the screen has become unglued from the glass where it will um, <laughs> shake a little bit. It's not really visible, but it will just drive you nuts as you're moving the laptop. I'm, I'm definitely not going to do that. <laughs> um, I'll just text it to you and, and you'll you'll forget and you'll, it'll ruin your day. Sorry. But yeah, so like, but Apple has also kind of made a lot of designs that are beautiful, but also, yeah, I like I know... As iPhones have, are now in the hundreds of millions uh, of screen repairs and battery replacements are super, um, super commonplace now. But like you have to think a lot of that up until that one person like and we talked about this at the time, but for the whole battery gate thing where Apple had to actually release a software update to address the um, the CPU throttling, most people, honest to goodness, thought that were discouraged from and thought it was not really possible to replace the battery in their iPhone, thinking that 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 battery failings made the iPhone disposable. Is that unfair to say? No. Yeah. And then the fact that AirPods are entirely disposable. Like after you've had them for about a year and a half and the battery starts to go, like just with, with their design and just, I mean, they're tiny little computers. Like I get it. Those are designed for the landfill accurate uh, i i guess so yeah like i just think uh, throughout so much of this where in the quest for thinness and tininess and again i know that has like i mean we're, we're people who we have a show about technology like that like that's a a thing we we very much enjoy and and we we like cool shiny things but so much of what apple has made makes stuff harder to repair 
and much more disposable. And I think that's that's probably a trend that would have been in the industry no matter what, regardless of whoever was kind of the tastemaker for design. But I think Apple kind of does get a fair amount of blame for disposable technology. Like, honestly, like, I mean, like the fact that now, like, just like you, the RAM is not replaceable on most of your computers. The fact that like if you, and like with this whole like uh, uh, butterfly keyboard thing, it's not even just that the keyboard is like insanely unreliable and a poor design that they refuse to fix. It's that they have to replace the entire top case, like so much of the computer to fix this issue. It's not even a simple repair. Like they box themselves into a corner because they wanted to make this computer this thin. It costs $600 for them to fix it. Every time this bad design becomes broken. I don't know. It just, it's, it's kind of a bummer. And I thought it was an interesting perspective. Um, cause yeah, sometimes a lot of times we all like only celebrate people for the really cool stuff that they did. But also there's a lot of, um, externalities from what they, what they create and the decisions that weren't made. All right. With that note, Apple has discontinued the 12 inch MacBook, So the MacBook adorable is no more good riddance. Also MacBook escape is dead. Uh, funnily enough, cause Marco on upgrade made the point that he thought it was going to be refreshed. And then literally like 12 hours later, it's discontinued. That was fun. Um, and then the, uh, well, actually that model got, a uh, an upgrade sort of where it now has a touch bar so there's now a 13 inch with four thunderbolt ports and a touch bar and a version with two thunderbolt ports so meh so my my biggest question of, of this whole new apple laptop lineup is why why is the macbook air just not called the macbook why is why is there not just the macbook and the macbook pro because the MacBook will be resuscitated in 18 to 24 months when they make their first ARM Mac. Okay. Yeah, I, I heard... Um... I stole that from M.G. Siegler. Or he's a... Like, I, I, don't think, I don't think it's that revolutionary a thought, but I think that he, no, I think I he's a person. Stephen Stephen Hackett made that, that same uh, comment, so... I mean, like, yeah. I think that form factor works, and it was a really cool computer. The only, like, I'd, I would have loved to have that computer, except the keyboard travel was too low, and it was slow, it was slow as hell. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably why like I, in the same thing where like, uh, with the iPad, like where last year's iPad pro, the 10.5 inch model, uh, became the new iPad air, like they're bringing back the air name for some reason. I guess air power was such a success that they had, (laughs) had to bring it back. So yeah, so, and also I, like, I think temporarily at least, that kind of makes the um, the laptop liner line up cleaner because they they finally also discontinued the uh, non Retina MacBook Air, which for some reason they kept around while they were um, when they introduced the revamped um, uh, Retina Air. So yeah, now the MacBook is gone, so you just have the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pros. I mean that's it. So so that got tidied up a little bit. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Ming-Chi Roger Kuo has uh, a rumor that the 2019 refresh of the MacBook Air and next year's MacBook Pro will have uh, a redesigned scissor switch keyboard. Neat. And yeah, I think that's mostly it about Apple stuff. You haven't put any of the betas on any of your devices, right? No, 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 no. Of course not. Okay, good. 
I might, I might at some point later in the summer think about putting the Pad OS, iPad OS. Is that what, what what's it? Is it, is it iPad OS or Pad OS? iPad OS. iPad OS. Yeah. Um, I might put that on my iPad Pro, but definitely nothing on my my Mac or my iPhone. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's there's nothing really like that new and exciting in um these set of operating systems so yeah um the, uh, the, i promise this only takes 60 seconds uh should i buy the current generation so when did the ipad pro come out the new one late last year right yes so if i'm thinking that ios 13 will make the ipad kind of a cool mobile photo editing studio thing should i when is there going to be a new ipad is it stupid to buy the current gen year old iPad Pro? I don't think so. No, I mean it, it's the the current iPads are really really freaking good. Well, when are they going to get replaced though? Like that's the thing because they're the, the thing they're is these like, aren't, aren't cheap. They on, they're on like a at least like a two year cycle now, right? No, so, really. Well, that, that, that's been the pattern, right? Because the problem is like a 256 11-inch cellular iPad. That's like a, a oh, thousand fifty bucks. Oh, I'm I'm aware. <laughs> well, but yeah, but also you didn't need it. Neither do you. I kind of do. No, you this 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 should be a this. We really actually should like. I know we joke about kick, like, kick it for tung- next week, but. tungling this. But like, I really want to get into. I really want to drill into this whole mobile photo editing thing that you have in mind because i it doesn't make sense to me it kind of does okay well i i i, yeah, I, anyway, I think that's a good topic yeah put, put it put it on omnifocus because god knows my is a mess <laughs> uh 36 ink box items oh, um but those don't have a due date so it's okay those can be that's that's oh, that, no, that's worse <laughs> that's like the uh like the what's it called the just the the junk drawer that people have in, uh, in adulthood mm. It's fine. It's in a junk drawer for life. Um, yeah, and then the last thing, uh, people w- can read this on their own, but it's just a good thing to marinate on. Uh, was this Neli who wrote, wrote this? Or was it Dieter Bone? Uh, so it's the last link that you have in here. So yeah, Neli, uh, there's only one important question to ask about Apple's future, and I think this was before the eye of departure. Um, actually, no, it was, it was afterward. Uh, is Apple going to compromise the user experience to sell services? And he, it, it has a pretty concise take on um, Apple breaking its own rules around push notification spam and a whole bunch of other stuff. And just the question of now that Apple is no longer strictly a hardware company and that they think that the monthly subscription services that they can sell you because you own those products and are inside the Apple ecosystem, that uh, will they soon start com- further compromising the um, user experience in order to try to push you into paying more for monthly services? I think they will, but I think it's something that people should uh, silently consider to themselves. Hmm? And then at Ryan, if you have uh, opinions. <laughs> Please don't. All right. Lastly, Switch Lite. Yeah. Okay. This is all um, you. I'm just going to kick my feet up. And... <laughs> so this has been long in the rumor mill because this is this is what Nintendo does. They ship a new hardware platform and then they spend the next handful of years coming out with revisions of that platform. And there's been some conflicting rumors about with the Switch whether Nintendo was going to 
go high end and come out with like a premium switch or if they were going to come out with a kind of lower priced, simpler version of the switch or maybe do both. Um, and Nintendo kind of has a history of going in both directions. Sometimes they do focus on making like cheaper, simpler versions of their platforms, but then sometimes they'll come out with, um, like the 3ds XL where it was the 3ds, but with bigger screens. So they kind of go both ways, but they ultimately, at least with this first revision, uh, went on, went to the low end and came out with the switch Lite which is kind of exactly what you'd expect it to be, where it's a um, slightly smaller unit, 5.5-inch screen instead of like a 6.3-inch screen. Um, The uh, Joy-Cons, which are the controllers, are not detachable, so the the controllers are just fixed to the side of the screen. It's smaller, it's lighter, comes in some fun colors. Uh, But then the big thing which I think is the the point that you'll probably want to poke fun at a little bit, is it does not dock to a TV. So obviously the whole conceit of the original Switch is that it was one device that you could play handheld or you could hook up to your TV and use as more of a traditional gaming console. And with the Switch Lite, you're only going to be able to use it in handheld mode. Which, you know, okay, haha, it's still called the Switch. That's funny. Like, I, I get all that, but um, it does seem to be a pretty common use case that people buy Switches and really do just use them as a handheld system. And that must be why Nintendo's kind of focusing on this with the first revision. Uh, so, how much cheaper is this than the uh, current Switch? So that's the thing that's a little interesting to me is it's only a hundred dollars less. So the the current switch is three hundred, and this is going to be two hundred. Yeah, yeah. So I have problems with this. I don't have I don't have deep seated problems because I'm not a gamer. Like I I don't actually have strong feelings about this, but uh, it no longer looks like a dog, so that bumps me out a little bit because like the detachable Joy Cons kind of had the like the floppy dog ear look. Right. So that's kind of a bummer. But this is supposed to be better for ergonomics, right? Like, wasn't that the complaint that, or does this not get it closer to, I think it was called the Pro Controller? So this, yeah, so like the way that I've heard this described is, like, if you you basically took the width of one of the current Joy-Cons, and if you, like, chopped that amount off of the current Switch, then that's about how wide this new one is. So it's it's definitely noticeably narrower. And the, the current Switch is, it is a little big especially for like kids to be kind of carrying around um so yeah i I mean it's the switch seems cool i mean people seem to really like that zelda game and 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 other stuff so like i like i'm not i'm not gonna hate on this too much um actually i don't think i'm gonna hate on it at all like i i think the main thing i just the one just and this is not based on any reality or any like deep uh consideration but it was a hot take and this seems like a 5c a little bit like it's it's the colors, um, and also the fact that it's kind of a late cycle revision where uh Nintendo's trying to hit a lower price point and rather than just finding like economies of scale or something to just work costs out of the old unit, they have like decanted it a little bit and made this instead. Kind of feels like a five C move. Um so yeah, that's the only thing that I, I would say about it. Um 
yeah i mean like i appreciate that that um nintendo makes cool stuff like i mean I don't know, people seem to like the switch uh but like yeah the, that's new price point like I, I just feel like somebody who would who wanted a switch would have already bought it and somebody like me who kind of thinks it's a fun novelty two hundred dollars is still too expensive so i'm not sure who's, who this is for yeah that's a that's a fair question like if it was um, 150 then that's totally impulse buy like i would totally buy the yellow one absolutely and buy mario kart for it and use it for three days and it would sit in my to sell bin that um <laughs> that that actually was going to be one of my points is I, I i think at 150 this would have been a much much more interesting product at, at 200 it it's it's yeah at 200 it's a little bit weirder to me although i would disagree with the 5c analogy which i did offline <laughs> slash online too mm-hmm. um just by pointing out that this you know this still has the same hardware or at least internals that the full switch does so like same screen quality because like the 5c wasn't a slower processor was it it, I think it was the previous generation A chip. Like it was whatever came in the iPhone five versus the five S. Right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Whereas this is still the current chip. It it is a smaller screen. Um, although I guess the the early take has been that it actually um, looks a little sharper because I think it's actually running at like the same resolution. I think it's still seven twenty p, but it's on a slightly smaller screen. So the, you know, the uh, pixels per inch, as you as you like to call out, I think are a little higher. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, neat. But again, like, I, I feel like they might as well have just found a way to make the other one $50 cheaper and just not worry about it. Um, otherwise, yeah, this is still, I, I'm not sure who this is moving the needle for. Although the, the, other, the other thing that seems like completely inevitable to me, put a pin in this for a future show topic so this thing still has a USB-C port. Someone within a fairly short period of time of this thing coming out is going to find a way to make this compatible with connecting to your TV. I don't think so. I assume that there's a separate video encoding chipset that's not there. That people, you underestimate the um, video game hacking community. They will, they will find a way. Yeah. Um can do you have to buy physical games for the Switch or can you use it all like kind of like the App Store? You can you can basically do the App Store model. There's the Nintendo Store and you can you can buy everything digitally. Got it. But if you do buy a game it comes on a micro SD card? Uh no, it comes on a proprietary cartridge. <laughs> but you can buy uh, a micro SD card for the system and that's that's where your downloaded games get stored. It has like 30 gigabytes, I think, of internal storage, but then you can supplement that with micro SD, or you can buy physical games, which are, yeah, a separate thing. You can't use Bluetooth headphones with it? That's not cool. <laughs> no, it's it's crazy. There's a headphone jack, but there's no... Does it have a lightning jack for my, my ear pods? <laughs> um that's people silly. people have uh, made little like bluetooth dongles that you can plug into the headphone jack so there there are ways to make that work but yeah not out of the box and yeah, also doesn't work with labo or labo whatever that was right yeah whatever or, i mean like 
neat kind of i don't know like maybe maybe there'll be a black friday sale or something where it gets down to 149 and it might be impulse buy for me but right now it's just oh i'm yeah i'm sure i'm sure it will yeah or it'll be it'll be 200 but it'll come you know packed in with like mario kart yeah all right we're going running long we will not talk about this but people should go look at the the zoom mac client bug because that was also another uh bananas um internet controversy this week uh but yeah we're running long so what do you got for chef specials so i will give an honorary this isn't going to be my chef special because that would be too cheap and easy but i'll give a shout out to one of your previous picks which was that uh anchor five port desktop charger thing that's got the one USB-C port and then the four USB-A ports it's that's really really good are you ooh, are you are you taking that back go ahead and finish Okay, I, I I think that for a travel charger solution, I like the fact that it comes with this, the separate cable, so you don't end up in that weird thing where if you've got a power brick, sometimes there's it's not too heavy like, and it just falls out of the wall outlet. Yeah, or mm-hmm. the wall outlets like inside of a lamp next to the hotel bed, and you it's it's you, you can't fit in the power brick. I, I like the fact that there's that separate cable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like the fact that it's USB-C and USB-A all in one. It's got plenty of ports. I I think it's it's really good. Yeah, so I think I'm going to revoke that chef special or it's coming off the menu. Um, I'm just bummed, and I know this is a very proprietary usage because you have a 15-inch MacBook Pro, right? Yes. So you have to carry a separate charger because yours takes the 80-watt plug. I, well, no, I, um, here at home, so if I'm at the desk here, I have it plugged into the, the original 80 watt charger, mm-hmm. but I have a, just a, I actually, I don't, I actually, I should actually stall for me here while I look up how big this other charger I bought is. I forget if it's not the full 80, but I forget I type in anchor yeah, it's fine. into Amazon, we'll fix all this in posts. No, it's fine. I'll talk to listeners. Wait, did I not did I not buy this on Amazon? How would that be possible? Are any of you still playing HQ trivia? You're probably not. No, I'm not I'm not still not still playing that. I'm no. talking to the listeners. Oh, oh, sorry. Wait, is is it is it is it not? If maybe if I type in USB C, that's is that gonna find this here? The USA is very good at women's hockey or women oh, women's soccer. That's pretty good. <laughs> yes, uh, they will not be going to the White House because uh, the president now hates Fox News as well. Or hates Fox News on the weekend. Uh, what else is there? What that? Well, whatever this. I whatever this other. I bought this other charger that's got one USB C. And one USB A port, and I think it's like, um, like thirty or fifty watts. And I, I use that with my my MacBook Pro, and it's fine. Yeah. So here, here's why I'm revoking, or it's coming off the menu. Um. So I think I think I might have talked about this the last time I traveled, which was that, um, and this may be why I want that iPad as a mobile editing setup, is that when I am using, so when you use that charger the maximum it can output out of that USB-C port is 30 watts. And if your laptop is not under load, both the 13 and 15-inch MacBook Pros will charge off of that USB-C port at 30 watts. It'll just take a little bit longer. 
However, if you are actually using the um, the laptop, and especially for me, if I'm using it and Lightroom is using all four cores and is churning out um, 42 megapixel images and is creating previews and stuff, uh, the laptop will use energy faster than it can provide and it will drain battery. And if you're doing that on, say, uh, 1,000 photos, uh, your laptop will die even while it's plugged in from 100% charge. Yeah, so it's a real real time follow up. This this other little charger that I bought is it's sixty one watts, to, but to, total watts because that's the thing where uh, the anchor one is also like allegedly like seventy five watts, but only thirty can be routed through the USB C port. Um, sixty one watt output for a variety of PD devices from laptops to smartphones. Uh. I don't know. It it charges my laptop. It works. <laughs> I don't. Yes, I don't. I don't think about it quite in the same level of detail that you do because I don't. My laptop's not. My laptop's not under heavy load usually. Well, so so that's the thing. Where yeah, if if I'm just um, so as long as I have Chrome closed, like man, there's a lot of stuff that can. Eh, I use I use Chrome all the time. It's fine. Hmm. Anyway, like I, 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 it has been problematic for me where now I can't really trust that setup no matter how much I wanted to like this charger. So now I'm kind of bummed. Okay. Well, that's, so that's, I'm not going to, I won't, I'm not ripping off that, that pick. Oh yeah. Cause the pick, which no is actually exists. not a pick anymore. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> wait. So you, you, that was not your pick. That was or not that was. Pick. No. What is your that pick? Was, that was just an honorary mention. So what is your pick? So I'll, I'll ping you my pick. It's a very, very simple one, but it's kind of related sort of so this is the anchor power line to three in one cable that on one end is usb a and then on the other end can be micro usb lightning or usb c which is a really really handy thing to have especially when traveling neat can i also kill this recommendation too sure or I'm going to, I'm going to give the reasons why this is kind of a bummer. Um, it doesn't do rapid charging over USB-C. Yeah. See, but again, this is stuff that you're, you're more hardcore about this stuff than I am. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty casual about my charging rates. And also it's just annoying because I have a Google Except Pixel. With my Tesla. I want that to charge fast. We need to circle back to this another <laughs> episode, but I'm thinking of getting a Model 3 and just using a supercharger only. Of course you are. I, I go back and go back and listen to the tape. I've been I've been predicting this Model Three thing for you. Forever. We'll we'll talk we'll talk about this on next week's episode. Okay. Um, but yeah, I have a Pixel Two, and if you plug it into a charger that's not charging at the fastest speed, it's just charging slowly, which just bugs the crap out of me. Yeah, that, so if that, there was a software hack to make it not deal. say that, I wouldn't even notice. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. Yeah, I've I've thought about this a lot because it seems so cool. But yeah, but it has an issue where it doesn't charge iPads or USB-C devices very fast because it's limited by the amperage or whatever of micro USB. Yeah. But in terms of convenience, no, the, the, this is super, super cool. Yeah, it's it's great. And you know, like I, I still, like in my travel backpack, I do still carry a, um, you know, like USB-C to USB-C cable that does support, you know, all the latest and greatest charging speeds and stuff. So I, I do still have that for things like my laptop and iPad, but it's a great little cable to have just, you know, for whatever kind of random connection you might need to have. And it's also now become sort of like, 
I now basically don't carry like a separate USB uh, or micro USB cable. Like this is just kind of like the one micro cable that I need. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in the, my pick, I think honestly, like even though it's very limited use, I think I'm going to say the power beats. Like, I mean, they're, they're super comfortable. They seem neat. And, um, yeah, like, I don't know, like, cause, and also coincidentally I broke my, um, or I broke the little clippy thing that made the Bose sound sports, not like bounce up and down on the back of your neck. Mm. So it was time. And yeah, and because like uh, like you 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 had like the what was it called? There was like a little Mophie charging case that also just became a case for the Powerbeats, right? Yeah, like um, I never really had that for my Bose Sound Sports. Like they came with this little um, like neoprene disc thing, but it's really neat to have one that has a charging case with it. So you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off yours from last week and just go with that. Yeah, and as cool as that little Mophie um, charging case that I have. Um, is and I actually have another one that I use for because I w- I wear the Bose Sound Sports like when I'm commuting and when I'm sort of like out and about because I just I find those to be the air, air I've talked about this AirPods in a noisy environment that those just start to kind of break down for me but the the Sound Sports that have a little bit more of a seal work a lot better so I have another one of those Bo- Bose or the not Bose the um, whatever the power the power case thing um and it you know it, it's it's great but obviously it's not it's not as handy as literally just being able to pop the headphones into the case and, well yeah because you actually have to plug it into the micro usb thing and micro usb is not a great connector for uh casually plugging stuff in exactly yeah cool power beats lebron lebron buds or lebron pods 